4: play.
5: This is the North Korea 2026. Excuse me? Thank you very much. The Sorry, this is, is starting, we're starting a press conference.
4: The dollar bills, hundreds of them, gently cascaded down on the head of FIFA's disgraced 79-year-old president.
6: here we go, set. That's
4: The money shower, looking like something out of a strip club fantasy, was an act of public shaming. British comedian Simon Brodkin, posing as a North Korean soccer official, made it rain just seconds after Sepp Blatter, the godfather of international soccer and FIFA's longtime but embattled president, sat down to discuss his resignation and the upcoming vote to replace him. It was 2015. Just two months before, FIFA had been rocked by the arrest of half a dozen soccer officials at the Bar Lack Hotel. And blindsided at the realization that once-loyal confidants Chuck Blazer and Jose Avila had provided U.S. prosecutors with a roadmap to FIFA's criminal empire. I'm Connor Powell. This is Episode 4, The Fall of SEP.
7: Where is my security?
4: Flatter sat there covered in cash, confused, angry, and looking every bit the butt of the joke he and FIFA had become.
7: The root of all of FIFA's problems in Sepp Blatter's long reign has been money. And the British comedian who beat security at their headquarters provided a stark visual representation of the corruption years.
4: Having made his point, Brodkin was led away by security. A clearly stunned Blatter promised to return once the mess was cleaned up.
7: Ladies and gentlemen, we have to clean here first. Otherwise, I will not be able to speak to you, ladies and gentlemen, when we speak about football. This has nothing to do with football. I'll be back in a few minutes. Thank you.
4: Oh, and what a mess it was. Of course, Blatter meant the one left by Brodkin's prank, not the one left by his 17 years as FIFA president. Blatter returned later that afternoon to answer questions from reporters. He remained defiant, contending until the very end, he was a hero, not a villain and that FIFA was as beautifully managed under his watchful eye as the game that was played on the pitch. Whatever his claims, Blatter's days as FIFA's ruling godfather were numbered. So how did we get here? How did Sepp Blatter, the Swiss sports marketing executive with an elvish grin, get the job in the first place? The blue ballot box on the stage was only slightly larger than a shoebox. It was stuffed and overflowing with pieces of small yellow paper. A half dozen or so FIFA officials, all men of course, furiously sorted and then counted the ballots. This was the scene at the 1998 FIFA presidential election. It looked more like something from a high school student body contest than a multi-billion dollar international sporting organization choosing its next president. Despite its simplicity, the campaign to replace FIFA's outgoing president, João Havelange, had been as fevered as any political election. The horse trading had been going on for months. Havelange had been in control of FIFA since 1974, almost 25 years. But it was time for a new president, and the 191 member nations that made up FIFA would choose the Brazilian successor. The frontrunner to succeed Havelange? European Soccer Association President Lennart Johansson of Sweden. He had locked up most of Europe's 51 votes with a message of reform and transparency.
2: And you can see what kind of people is surrounding me and supporting me and helping me. I am very confident about tomorrow's election.
4: The imposing yet jovial Swede was the driving force behind the Champions League, UEFA's annual club football tournament. He was well-respected and seen as relatively honest. Rare qualities in FIFA's governing structure, which had a reputation for dodgy business practices during the 25 years Havelange was president.
8: I think there was always sort of an undercurrent of uh, discussion of, like, FIFA's kind of shady. That's
4: journalist Grant Wall, who covered the 98 election.
8: For me, that was probably the first time that I sort of paid attention to what was being said about corruption in FIFA.
4: Indeed, battling corruption, even the appearance, was at the heart of the 1998 election. Many soccer insiders believe the sport was in desperate need of a new brand of leadership. Among those backing Johansson, the retired Brazilian superstar Pele, perhaps the most recognizable name in the sport at the time, Pele also happened to be one of Zhao Havalange's most vocal critics. Once friends, the two Brazilians had a falling out. And by 1998, were, let's just say, running in different crowds. Havalange had cozied up to dictators and South American gangsters as a way to build FIFA's global influence. A practice that would have a lasting impact on FIFA, but more on that later. Here's Pele in 1998 on why he supported Johansson.
8: No, I started to, to support Johansson before everything mm-hmm. because I like his program You know, I like democracy I like opening to, to, to discuss the problem of the sport mm-hmm. that's the reason, it's different, different vision
4: Pele feared Johansson's challenger and
8: he wasn't alone His has been a long career if not always distinguished
4: Sepp Blatter, then FIFA's general secretary, was on the ballot It was widely believed he would simply be a continuation of Havalange, and if elected, that nothing would change. But Blatter wasn't simply a clone of FIFA's long-ruling monarch. While Havalange ruled FIFA with an iron fist, Blatter would rule with the combination of an iron fist and handouts. From the start, he saw the power of using financial enticements to secure support like sending payments to help national federations boost soccer in developing nations. Blatter also promised to expand the World Cup and share FIFA's growing revenues with nations in Africa, Asia, and the Caribbean.
8: The Caribbean itself has 25 votes. Africa has more than 50 votes. And if you increase the ability for these countries to compete in the World Cup, to partake in the revenues of FIFA, which were growing during this time frame, you can make promises and give out money to the member federations and you'll get their vote. To win the election,
4: Blatter would need a two-thirds majority, or 128 votes. The Caribbean and African delegations had 77 alone. While neither was guaranteed to vote as a whole block. they often did. So Blatter's campaign promise was essentially... Here's a million for you, Burkina Faso. Here's a million for you, Paraguay. And here's a million for you, Trinidad and Tobago. Do with the money as you please. Just don't forget where it came from.
8: It's patronage politics where if you give money to each member nation, you'll get their vote. And it helps also that there was never a lot of due diligence from FIFA's side into where that money they gave these individual federations was going.
4: As noble as this strategy appeared on the surface, a promise to expand opportunities in poorer countries, Grant Wall says it was only a part of Blatter's campaign.
8: There were all sorts of allegations in the media at that point in time that votes were being bought for that presidential election. And talk of envelopes full of cash in Paris.
4: Behind the scenes, Blatter's supporters, aided by Havalange, Placed envelopes stuffed with $50,000 each into the hands of voters from African and Caribbean countries.
8: Those helping hands are believed to have belonged to Mohammed bin Hammam, a Qatari billionaire and a FIFA executive committee member. He's denied buying any votes, but was undeniably a staunch bladder supporter.
4: Mohammed bin Hammam. That name sound familiar? Well, you'll remember him as the architect of Qatar's World Cup winning bid in 2010 and the man who a year later would challenge Blatter for FIFA's presidency and who was then accused of giving CONCACAF President Jack Warner the money he needed to buy off Caribbean voters in that dodgy meeting held in Port of Spain. That meeting you might also remember was videotaped, capturing Warner doing his best impersonation of a mafia boss, nudging his foot soldiers to do what's expected of them,
6: ...to determine how best you want to use it. If there yeah, is anybody here who has a conscience and wish to send back the money, I am willing to take it and give it back to him. Any, any month.
4: But back in 1998, Ben Hamam and Warner were anything but adversaries to Bladder. They played a crucial role in distributing payments to boost Bladder's campaign. Now, I have to point out, both Bladder and Bin Hamam deny doing this, but the evidence really does suggest otherwise. In return, Warner was given access to thousands of World Cup tickets, which he then resold, and was able to purchase TV rights for the 2002 World Cup for his home country of Trinidad and Tobago for just $1. That's right, $1. He went on to, allegedly, sell those TV rights for an incredible profit. In the end, financial enticements beat out ethics and transparency. It was a lesson Sepp Blatter and his acolytes would learn again and again. Thank you. When the final votes were counted, Hansen was easily defeated. FIFA's corruption machine ran roughshod over the UEFA president. Blatter, the winner, promised continuity. And by continuity, he meant money in the hands of FIFA officials who wanted it. This isn't hyperbole. It's not an exaggeration. After Blatter was announced as the victor and Johansson conceded, it was reported that several FIFA delegates stood up in the meeting hall, raised their hands, and began rubbing their fingers together as they smiled and laughed. The message was clear, time to pay up.
8: Yeah, there was no embarrassment whatsoever about any of this stuff inside of FIFA.
4: Under a light blue FIFA banner, which read, For the good of the game, FIFA President Sepp Blatter and General Secretary Michel Zanrufinen sat side by side, waiting to answer questions from journalists. As flashbulbs flashed and cameras clicked, the two men stared in opposite directions, each pretending the other wasn't there. Their faces couldn't hide the seething resentment each man had for the other. It was 2002. Four years earlier, Blatter had assumed FIFA's top spot in a contentious and dodgy election. Now, four years later, Blatter was up for re election. As Blatter campaigned to retain his seat, claims of corruption and mismanagement were swirling. The allegations were coming from inside the FIFA family, including from Zen Rufenen, who was Blatter's fellow countryman and one time protege. He was a lawyer a former FIFA referee, and had risen to the organization's number two spot. Here's Zen Rufinen calling out his boss.
7: It is time for FIFA to clean its house.
4: Just days before Blatter was to stand for re-election, Zen Rufinen accused him of running FIFA like a dictator and circulated a lengthy dossier that detailed explosive allegations of corruption, mismanagement, fishy accounting practices, and unethical conflicts of interest by Blatter and other FIFA officials. FIFA's financial house had been in disarray for months after its longtime marketing partner, International Sports and Leisure, or ISL, went bankrupt, leaving debts of at least $100 million, with some estimates going as high as $300 million. ISL was created by former Adidas chairman Horst Dassler and handled all of FIFA's TV negotiations, Basically, ISL bought marketing rights for the World Cup broadcast from FIFA on the cheap and then sold them at huge markups. For most of the 1990s, ISL was so profitable, it was like they were printing money. It also served as a slush fund for FIFA, which you'll hear more about in the next episode. ISL went bankrupt in 2001. Court documents showed it paid millions in bribes to soccer officials, including former FIFA president Zhao Havelange, Blatter's mentor. ISL's collapse blew a massive hole in FIFA's coffers, which were normally overflowing. According to Zen Rufinan, FIFA was running a budget deficit of more than $100 million, and he blamed Blatter for the financial mess.
7: I clearly ask now the president to provide the respective answers to me so that we can enter the new area of FIFA with a clean record, which from the moment, and in my opinion,
4: is definitely not the case. The knives were out. In a preview of the 2015 FBI case, Zen and accused Blatter of authorizing TV deals for less than commercial value, making illegal payments to soccer officials, and providing loans that he knew would never be paid back. That last accusation You'll want to file that away in your memory banks.
8: At the same time, 11 FIFA executive committee members filed a criminal complaint against Blatter, accusing him of corruption.
4: However mild manner Blatter may have looked and sounded, he was a savvy and ruthless administrator. He showered supporters like Chuck Blazer, Jack Warner, Nicholas Leoz and Ricardo Teixeira with money. And they weren't about to abandon him as he stood for re-election. So, despite the allegations and the internal revolt, FIFA's ruling monarch never came close to losing power. Blatter won a second term. He got more than two thirds of the vote, and who had to announce his re-election? Zen Rufinen himself, just hours after trashing Blatter in front of hundreds of FIFA officials.
0: Number of votes for Mr. Joseph S. Blatter: 139. Yeah.
4: And then Blatter spoke.
7: I register your deep trust. Your deep trust in FIFA and in me.
4: A contrasting chorus of cheers and boos filled the conference room. The mild-mannered Swiss boss, looking as refined and sophisticated as any international businessman, glared over at Zen Ruffin and gestured menacingly. At his former protege. The once loyal Zen Rufinan had come at the king, and he missed. Within days, Zen Rufinan was gone from FIFA, booted, and the criminal complaint filed by the 11 FIFA members was withdrawn. Blatter, sometimes mockingly called Don Blatterone by critics and a nod to the Mafia Don in the Godfather movies, was now firmly in control of world soccer. His opponents were given the option of getting in line or getting out. In Bladder's house, loyalty would be rewarded, betrayal punished. The
5: 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans, and yet there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates, young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening.
0: Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health.
3: Thank
7: you for uh, this uh, very special reception.
4: For nearly 200 years, the red-walled and Darkwood paneled debate chamber of the Oxford Union has hosted a who's who of world leaders and celebrities, from Malcolm X to Ronald Reagan, from Yasser Arafat to David Chappelle. On a cool English night in October of 2013, FIFA's president, Sepp Blatter, joined that list.
7: You may think you know who I am what I stand for, what I'm like.
4: As a man of utmost self-importance, who felt an almost divine right to rule FIFA, the opportunity to address the students of Oxford University was yet another confirmation of his global importance.
7: They would have you believe that I sit in my office with a sinister grin, gently stroking the chin of an expensive white Persian cat.
4: It was also an opportunity to challenge the now decades-long narrative of FIFA's culture of corruption. And it's mafia-like. I don't know any other better words for it. Code of conduct.
7: You may think you know what FIFA is, what it does, what it aspires to be, a faceless machine printing money at the expense of the beautiful game with me pulling the strings and laughing all the way to the bank. <laughs> it's not exactly that.
4: But Blatter's impassioned speech at Oxford, where he compared himself to Robin Hood, the heroic outlaw taking from the rich and giving to the poor, did little to challenge the narrative of impropriety or calm the storm of allegations that continued to build in the wake of FIFA's decision to give the World Cup to Russia Russia. in Qatar. Qatar. The Oxford address came only three years after that announcement, and just two years before the raid on the Barlac Hotel that would lead to more than a dozen arrests. Despite Blatter's best attempts to clean up FIFA's image, anyone paying close attention believed FIFA was utterly corrupt. There's been so many
3: corruption scandals that FIFA have had to deal with.
4: FIFA had become a punchline. Bribery and FIFA go together like peanut butter and jelly. Nothing Bladder or FIFA had done since the Russia and Qatar announcements in 2010 had managed to quell or contain the crisis. And the prosecutors? They were closing in.
1: We were promised cooperation. Michael Hirschman is a
4: co-founder of Transparency International and had served on the U.S. Senate Watergate Committee. After the Russia and Qatar announcements, he was asked to join an independent governance committee to look into allegations of wrongdoing within FIFA.
1: It was a real eye-opener for me into the world of sports and business, and unfortunately, an eye-opener into the underbelly of the sports world.
4: The pressure appeared to be having some effect.
8: Today, Sepp Blatter finally unveiled his plans to reform the organization, promising to restore its tarnished image.
4: Unlike FIFA's normally highly produced and choreographed events, where no amount of money was ever spared, when Sepp Blatter announced an overhaul of FIFA's ethics bodies in October of 2011, he was flanked by a lone soccer ball. and what appeared to me as a half-hearted attempt to remind the world FIFA was a soccer organization, not some tone-deaf criminal gang like so many were saying.
7: We should have this zero tolerance inside The FIFA inside the uh, football pitch, but outside the FIFA and outside the football pitch.
4: Blatter didn't welcome the oversight or the reforms. FIFA's longtime corporate sponsors, companies like Visa, Coca-Cola and McDonald's, forced his hand. They begun to get a touch nervous with all that negative media coverage and pressured Blatter to institute reforms. Hirschman's committee was independent in name only. It really had no power. FIFA could take the recommendations and do nothing or block them from looking into things they didn't want looked at. The corruption was too entrenched and touched virtually every member of FIFA's senior ranks. And it didn't take long before Hirschman realized FIFA, and specifically Blatter, weren't serious
1: about reform at all. The internal politics really kind of circled the wagon so that no outsider could look in and see what was going on hershman did try to work around this by reaching out to
4: an unlikely friend
1: chuck blazer when i was appointed to the independent governance committee i decided i was going to see chuck blazer and see if i could get him to cooperate with us
4: hershman also a native new yorker had known blazer for years consider the outgoing soccer official
1: a friend. He was a very jolly guy, a very smart guy, very friendly guy, very jolly guy. It was hard not to like him. I mean, everyone who's ever met him uh, liked him. Hirschman hoped
4: his jolly friend might be an ally in cleaning up soccer.
1: Blazer rebuffed Hirschman. I met with him in London and he didn't cooperate with me. And now I know why, at that time, he was under orders. He was cooperating with the FBI, and he was under orders not to talk about anything that he was doing with anyone outside of the FBI. Hirschman and the committee were stuck. Just months
4: after being created by Blatter, the, quote, independent governance committee was being blocked by the executive committee. And who controlled the executive committee? Blatter, of course. Among the many reforms the independent committee had recommended were term limits for the members of the executive council, including FIFA's president, and transparency for all salaries and payments made to executive committee members.
1: Most of these reforms were ignored. Blatter would say to us, I can't get this through the executive committee. Now, we knew that was a lie because we knew that he had complete control over the executive committee.
4: As president, Blatter could have assigned allies to any one of FIFA's sprawling and well-paid internal governance committees to get the reforms
1: through. If Blatter wanted change, all he had to do was say so. He set the tone and the culture in the organization. I believe that he was very instrumental. Really what they didn't want is they didn't want outside oversight. They wanted to remain a closed facility. And so we had limited success, and after two years, we resigned because we knew that we likely couldn't go any farther. Blatter was in his fourth term, and I in a fifth. He set the tone, and it was his quest for complete control and complete power that, in part, in my judgment, led to the corruption scandal. The blatant
4: undermining of the Governance Committee was just a small part of Blatter and FIFA's attempt at covering up past wrongdoings. FIFA also launched an official internal investigation into the Russia and Qatar bids. The official investigation proved to be an even bigger farce. The actual report wasn't initially made public. Instead, FIFA released the summary and FIFA's own investigator would say that summary was a lie. For well over 700 years, the historic Fishmonger's Hall on the banks of the River Thames had been home to London's seafood merchants, having received its royal charter in 1272 from the English King Edward Longshanks. Maybe more familiar to you as the evil monarch from Mel Gibson's film Braveheart. However historically important the Fishmonger's Hall may be, to me the name evokes the stomach-churning smell of slimy, slippery fish. So when FIFA's internal ethics investigator chose the Fishmonger's Hall in October of 2014 as the location to launch a broadside attack on the soccer organization and the leadership of Sepp Blatter, the symbolism, at least for me, was hard to ignore.
3: What is required is leadership. Leadership that sends a message that the rules apply to everyone. Leadership that wants to understand and learn
8: from any mistakes or missteps the ethics committee may identify.
4: That's Michael Garcia a former federal prosecutor who made his name investigating politicians and financial firms. Just days before, he had delivered a much-anticipated 430-page report into the 2018-2022 World Cup bidding process. Garcia had been hired by FIFA as part of Blatter's reform agenda. But after an 18-month investigation and more than 75 interviews, Blatter was blocking the report's release. Officially, Blatter said he couldn't release it because FIFA had to respect the personal privacy rights of people mentioned in the report. As excuses go, this was a pretty flimsy one. When Garcia stepped up to speak at the fishmongers' hall, it was clear he was tired of Blatter's tactics and the stench of FIFA's corruption.
8: True reform doesn't come from adding rules or creating new committee
4: structures. It comes from changing the culture of the organization. Garcia called on his FIFA bosses to release the full report. Blatter refused. The next FIFA presidential election was coming up in the spring, and accountability really wasn't part of his election agenda. It is a farce even by FIFA's standards. Instead, the Lords of World Soccer chose to release a shorter, less intrusive summary of Garcia's significantly more in-depth findings. Garcia's 430-page report was
3: whittled down to a 42-page summary by FIFA's ethics judge, Hans-Joachim Eckert.
4: The summary report cleared Russia and Qatar of any wrongdoings. And while Judge Eckert concluded that the behavior of some members of Qatar's bid team was improper, he said it didn't compromise the process. In effect, the judge's summary said the millions of dollars allegedly handed out by Mohammed bin Hammam had no effect on the final vote. But think about that for a second. Isn't the goal of giving cash payments to decision makers right before they vote a way to buy their vote? I think so. And maybe that's what Garcia concluded too. But frustratingly, we don't know because Garcia has refused to talk about it, except to call the summary from Eckhart a whitewash. So with a symbolic shrug of his shoulders, Judge Eckhart concluded... Conveniently for FIFA, there was no need to hold a revote for either World Cup. The investigation was over. A point FIFA's chief spokesman Walter De Gregorio was
6: quick to make: the bidding process as a whole is not put in question, and that's the, for us the the, the main finding. It means that Russia and Qatar uh, they won uh, the, the, the they were awarded. Uh, Because uh, they were the best.
4: The only real ethics violation Judge Eckhart's summary did highlight was one by England, which lost the 2018 World Cup bid to Russia. FIFA claimed that England acted improperly when it promised a job to a friend of FIFA executive and CONCACAF president Jack Warner. Well, no doubt improper. It's hardly the scale of wrongdoing that FIFA had been accused of by media watchdogs and even some of its reform-minded members. Garcia's damning analysis of FIFA's 42-page report added that it contains numerous materially incomplete and erroneous representations of the facts and conclusions. Michael Garcia quit in December of 2014. He said he'd lost faith in FIFA's leadership. In his resignation letter, the American said Judge Eckhart had misrepresented his work and that Sepp Blatter initiated disciplinary proceedings against him for his criticism of FIFA. In the three years after Sepp Blatter had launched his much-celebrated reform agenda, most of the independent governance committee had left in frustration, and now FIFA's hand-picked ethics investigator, Michael Garcia, had resigned in protest. FIFA may have closed its own investigation into World Cup vote rigging, but That didn't mean Chuck Blazer's little keychain recorder had stopped recording. Or that the U.S. Department of Justice had taken its eye off the ball.
8: An embattled leader who faces his toughest test. FIFA President
0: Sepp Blatter under pressure as uh, this Congress gets underway.
8: Sepp
4: Blatter was surrounded by security guards when he stepped out of his luxury sedan on May 28, 2015. He had arrived at FIFA's World Congress, greeted by angry protesters hurling insults. It was the first anyone had seen him since the raid on the Borlac Hotel the day before. And since Blatter had learned some of FIFA's own members had snitched about the secret of organizations' illicit activities.
8: In Switzerland, seven of the sport's top international officials were arrested in a pre-dawn raid. In Miami, the FBI searched the headquarters of FIFA's U.S. affiliate. Fourteen defendants, including sports marketing executives, faced corruption charges involving more than $150 million in bribes and kickbacks.
4: By any standard, the events of the previous 24 hours had been unprecedented, not only for FIFA, but for the world of sports. Platter's oversized protection detail made the 5'7 Swiss man look even smaller, almost vulnerable. Despite the pressure of the U.S. investigation, Blatter managed to display what can only be described as a politician in crisis smile. You know that grin from ear to ear that's just a little too upbeat for the occasion? After putting on the jacket of his finely cut suit, Blatter walked inside to attend the first day of the 2015 FIFA World Congress.
6: Good evening, Mr. President, how are you? Surely after all these allegations, it's time for you to resign.
4: Calls for Blatter's resignation were growing louder as European and American soccer officials ganged up against him. It's time for change.
7: It's not the question if he is in, a, in, in in some cases, if he's guilty or not guilty, involved or not involved, it's time for change. After all this, what happened in the last 10, 20 years, and now what we hear again, you cannot
1: just say, yeah, but I'm clean. Uh, I have nothing, nothing to do with it. A disaster like this we never had in life uh, before, and we need a change. But the
4: calls for his resignation weren't new. Blatter had weathered scandal after scandal after scandal. And Blatter wasn't treating this one any differently. He may have looked vulnerable. But Don Blatteron was set to win his fifth term as FIFA's president the following day.
8: His entourage says he's uh, confident, calm, serene. Blatter's supporters
4: had already been spinning the story that FIFA was an aggrieved victim of overzealous U.S. investigators. FIFA's chief spokesman and Blatter loyalist Walter De Gregorio had said that Blatter was innocent of any wrongdoing.
6: The president is not involved. Of course, he is the head of FIFA. But he's not involved in any, so uh, how can you, can you, can you say, okay, he has to uh, whatsoever uh, step down?
4: No matter how bad the crisis looked, Sepp Blatter wasn't about to release his grip on power. He believed he was FIFA as much as FIFA was him. I know
7: many people hold me ultimately responsible for the actions and reputation of the global football community whether it's a decision for the hosting of a World Cup or a corruption scandal. We, or I, cannot monitor everyone all of the time.
4: Speaking to FIFA's 209 voting delegations, Blatter sounded almost convincing that the next four years would be different. We will... Cooperate
7: with all authorities to make sure anyone involved in wrongdoing from top to bottom is discovered and punished. There can be no place for corruption of any kind. The next few months will not be easy for FIFA. I'm sure more bad news may follow, but it is necessary to begin to restore trust in our organization. Let this be the turning point.
4: The 2015 FIFA election would not be a turning point.
6: Ignoring a major bribery and corruption scandal, FIFA, soccer's world governing body, has re-elected its president, Sepp Blatter.
4: The election showed just how tightly Blatter held the reins of world soccer and just how much fear there was of his tight grip.
8: There are fears that Blatter will treat the threat to his leadership as a mutiny. His rival, Jordanian Prince Ali bin al-Hussein, said he conceded out of concern for his backers. Blatter said he was the victim of hatred and added, I forgive everyone, but I don't forget.
4: The 2015 FIFA election was never about reform or concern about the US investigation or hope or change. No, when Sepp Blatter was re-elected, it came down to the one thing it always came down to, money.
8: The secret to Sepp Blatter sticking it out for so long was his global vision, his investment in African and Asian football in particular. He won many friends there, and in FIFA's one country, one vote system, friends translated into ballots.
4: Blatter had a proven track record of keeping the money flowing to FIFA's coffers, and then out to FIFA's voters in their national federations. Few outside of Europe and North America were going to walk away from that. In fact, most of FIFA's delegations cheered and celebrated Blatter's re election when he took the stage to thank them.
7: I like you. I like my job, and I like to be with you. I'm not perfect. Nobody is perfect. But we will do a good job together, I'm sure. So uh, I thank you so much. I thank you for the trust
4: and confidence. Dejected and resigned, Blatter's opponents figured if the arrest of 14 soccer officials couldn't force him out, then nothing could. Then something strange happened. Sepp Blatter's past finally caught up with him.
2: So what are you waiting for start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and google play stores today all you can stream with zumo play
3: from bbc radio 4 britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip i
1: thought in that moment oh my god we've summoned something from this board
3: this is uncanny usa
4: Well, it's the first day of the rest of FIFA's life and the shoes or the soccer cleats are still dropping. What a difference a weekend makes. One minute, bladder, and a mix of enthusiasm and defiance is waving his arms and pumping his fists in victory.
7: Together we go. Let's go, FIFA. Let's go, FIFA. Thank you.
4: He's promising to pilot FIFA's battered ship to shore and aggressively dismissing talk of being arrested by U.S. authorities.
7: Arrested for what? Next question.
4: Then the next minute, like someone flicked the light switch, soccer's reigning monarch Sepp Blatter is resigning.
6: He steadfastly clung on, resisting calls to stand down, but today, Sepp Blatter, the embattled FIFA president, finally threw in the towel.
7: Speaking in
4: French in front of journalists at a hastily organized press conference, a far less confident, almost. Sanguine Set Blatter, announced his resignation on June 2, 2015. So what, you asked changed between Friday's election celebration and Monday's resignation?
6: Today came fresh, embarrassing revelations that brought the accusations of bribery and corruption closer to the FIFA president's door.
4: Quoting unnamed U.S. authorities, the New York Times reported Blatter's right-hand man FIFA General Secretary Jerome Valk had approved the transfer of $10 million to the disgraced former CONCACAF president Jack Warner back in 2008. This is the payment to Warner I told you about in the previous episode.
6: He is alleged to have taken as a bribe for having helped South Africa secure the 2010 World Cup.
4: The payment to Warner was transferred using FIFA's own banking system. FIFA in South Africa insisted the money wasn't a bribe. Rather, they said it was an approved payment to a World Cup legacy fund for Africans in the Caribbean. At first, FIFA tried to deny that Jerome Valk had any knowledge of the payment. But when a March 2008 letter addressed to the general secretary from South Africa detailing the payment emerged, FIFA's lies and criminal activities were laid bare for the world to see. The letter and the bribe it described were the last straw for Sepp Blatter.
8: Furious sponsors were demanding reform.
4: FIFA's lawyers, and more importantly, sponsors like Budweiser, Coca-Cola, and Visa, told Blatter it was time to go.
5: There was a lot of pressure from corporate partners, big international global partners, saying like, hey, this doesn't look right. And we're not sure that we want to have our brand attached to this organization that very clearly has some significant problems in terms of ethics and transparency.
4: That's former New York Times reporter Sam Borden.
5: You know, money talks. And so the real pressure came when these global brands said, hey, we're not sure we're on board with continuing with FIFA if this is the way that things are going to go.
4: Blatter hoped his announcement that he would step down as FIFA's president would reduce the heat coming from investigators. But the king of soccer's troubles were only mounting In October of 2015, a few months after announcing his resignation, Swiss investigators seized boxes of documents from Blatter's FIFA office, including records detailing a $2 million payment to UEFA President Michel Platini. The payment from FIFA to Platini was made right as Blatter was facing that challenge for the FIFA presidency from the Qatari billionaire Mohammed bin Hammam in 2011. Blatter and Platini insisted for years the payment was done for consulting work. Yeah, consulting work, that was done nine years earlier. But neither Blatter nor Platini could explain what the $2 million worth of consulting work actually was. Swiss prosecutors in 2015 seemed to think it was more likely a bribe to shore up Platini's support for Blatter in the 2011 election. Blatter would stick around for a few more months, a nominal figurehead, president and name only. And that brings us back to the beginning of this episode. It was during this time that Blatter, stripped of power, was showered in cash by the British comedian Simon Brodkin. In December of 2015, FIFA would ultimately ban Blatter, General Secretary Jerome Valk, and UEFA President Michel Platini from world soccer all for violating ethics rules. In his final public appearance as FIFA president in December of 2015, an unshaven and disheveled bladder lashed out at the world like the dethroned monarch he was. But I
7: will fight. I will fight for me and I will fight for FIFA. Suspended eight years for what?
4: In the irony of ironies. His appearance came just days after yet another pre-dawn raid by U.S. and Swiss authorities that led to an additional 16 arrests of current and former soccer officials on the charges of racketeering, money laundering, and fraud. Some of them were taken into custody at the very same Borlaque Hotel authorities had raided that spring. Just a side note. FIFA has since broken its ties with the Borlac Hotel and moved its business to the Zurich Hyatt. Blatter, meanwhile, remained defiant.
7: I'm really sorry. I am sorry. I am sorry that I am still somewhere, a punching ball, but I'm sorry that I am, as president of FIFA, this punching ball. And
4: I'm sorry for, for football. The 79-year-old would spend the next few months appealing his suspension and fighting to hold on to power. But the jig was up. The money-making machine, that is FIFA, had left Blatter behind. For years, it looked like Sepp Blatter would escape prosecution. I mean, year after year after year, just ticked by and Don Blatterone just seemed to skate by. And then...
6: There's some news just into us uh, that former FIFA president Sepp Blatter and also Michel Platini have been charged with fraud and other offenses by Swiss prosecutors after a six-year...
4: In November of 2021, six years after the original raid on the Boralac Hotel, Sepp Blatter and Michel Platini were charged with fraud for that secret $2 million consulting payment. Blatter and Platini continued to insist on their innocence... Blatter, now in poor health, could face five years in prison if convicted. Hey, breaking news here. A day after this episode originally came out, Sepp Blatter and Michelle Platini were acquitted of corruption by a Swiss court on July 8th. It's shocking news, and honestly, I'm a bit surprised by it. We'll update you in the coming days as we learn more, but now back to the rest of this episode. In the seven years since the first raid on the Borlac Hotel, U.S. authorities have continued rounding up soccer officials, arresting dozens of FIFA executives and their partners in the sports marketing world. To date, U.S. prosecutors have charged more than 50 people connected to FIFA, with prosecutors announcing further mass indictments in December of 2015 and again in April of 2020. Prosecutors have also clawed back more than $200 million that was siphoned from the sport over the decades to pay for bribes and kickback schemes. Most of that money will go back into FIFA's coffers, since under the law, the soccer organization is listed as the victim, even though it was plundered by its own members. And if you think it's all over now, the U.S. Department of Justice has signaled more charges could be on the way. Set Blatter and the larger cast of criminals from the 2015 US investigation embody all that is wrong with modern day FIFA. The money laundering, the bribery, the vote rigging, the general disregard for basic transparency and ethics. But long before its sordid activities became the stuff of criminal lore, FIFA was known simply as a racist and morally corrupt organization, which in many ways is even worse. And I would argue absolutely explains how FIFA became a den of bribery and corruption. From supporting South Africa's racist apartheid regime to propping up Argentine dictators to turning a blind eye to the brutal torture of prisoners in Chile's national soccer stadium, FIFA's so-called golden years are more blood red than golden. So let's go back to when FIFA started. That's coming up on the next episode of The Lords of Soccer. The Lords of Soccer, How FIFA Stole the Beautiful Game is an Inside Voices media production in conjunction with iHeartRadio. The series was written and executive produced by Gary Scott and me, Connor Powell. Logan Heftel and Katie McMurrin provided the sound design with assistance from J.C. Swadek and Jake Bluenote. Alec Cowan is our associate producer and Jeffrey Katz was our story editor. Our fact checker is Alexa O'Brien. And thanks to Miles Gray, who produced this series for iHeartRadio. If you have any comments or questions, please reach out. You can find us on Twitter. I'm at Connor M. Powell. And Gary is at Gary Robert Scott. And if you have any stories about FIFA, let us know. If you like what you hear, please give us a shout out at the hashtag LordsofSoccer.
3: slash iHeart.